Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Ryan Glover podcast with guests for the blueworldorder.com website. I'm of course Ryan Glover and the producer for this and every podcast is Joan Taylor. You'll hear us perspective throughout each podcast and with the final segment of the podcast, Final Thoughts with JT, where me and Joan will break down what the guest says for that specific podcast. Today's guest is the producer for the Jeff Calkin Show on ESPN 92.9 FM, Mondays through Fridays from 9 to 11 a.m. He's also the lead writer at, on the 92.9 line at ESPN929.com. The one and only John Martin joins us. John? first thanks for joining us and how are you this afternoon doing well of course thanks for having me no problem john so let's talk about the recent report you literally just broke within the hour talking about the basically the memphis coaching staff right there was a report that came out last sunday from the coaches changes on twitter that was we, we weren't really sure was it credible or uncredible we, we found out today from your report that you're thinking it's inaccurate about robert kirby taking the assistant coaching job at western kentucky so what's the most you've been hearing about that what do you what have you been thinking about the coaching staff especially since josh still has one spot available right now yeah so the report on sunday was uh that robert kirby would follow Rick Stansbury to Western Kentucky. He worked under Rick Stansbury for 14 years at Mississippi State. Obviously, they had a lot of success there. He was a he was a great recruiter uh, at Mississippi State for Rick Stansbury. So it stood to reason that you know maybe given um, this climate and this sort of you know this chaos and and uh, and turmoil, it would make sense and stand to reason that he would you know look for an avenue to maybe start fresh and get a new deal and and, and you know start with. A guy he's had a lot of success with um, at Mississippi State, and, and try to do that again at Western Kentucky, even if it meant maybe taking a, a, a significant, what would have amounted to a significant pay cut. Um, and I, and I, 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 I assumed it was true, um, just because again it made all, it made re, uh, a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. But I, I did a little digging today um, because I was just I was I was curious about another story, and I and I. Heard something about Kirby potentially not leaving because we haven't heard from Josh. I mean, if you, Josh has not Josh Pastor, that is, he has not really said anything in the way, uh, you know, uh, anything publicly since his end of season um, media press conference you know, three weeks ago. And so we haven't heard from Josh one way or another. And so I did a little digging on on uh, on this on this Kirby deal, and I found out that uh, he's not he's probably not going to Western Kentucky. He's probably not going to Western Kentucky. Um, because number one, um, he makes three hundred thousand dollars here, and um, and that's a lot of money for an assistant. And if he were if he were to take the Western Kentucky job, it would be uh, at least a thirty three percent pay cut, if not fifty percent, because they just can't pay what Memphis can pay. Um, so you have that a uh, significant pay cut. And then the other thing too is like there's really no sense of urgency here, because if Memphis has decided and established that we can't fire Josh Pastner at ten point six million dollars. Well, they're probably not going to be able to fire Josh at $8 million either. You know, the, what difference does $2 million make at the end of the day uh, when it's still $8 million? Um, so I don't, think there's really any, I don't think there's any real sense of urgency on the, on the behalf of Robert Kirby unless he is told by Josh, listen, you should probably take that. The administration is going to make me fire you and make wholesale changes. I don't think there's any real desire for Kirby to leave because he's got a great situation, a great setup. You know, he did bring Nick Marshall and Jeremiah Martin here. Um, you know, so that there's that. He's going to have guys here that he brought and that he probably still wants to coach and who he believes are talented and who I believe are talented. So it doesn't appear as though he is taking that job. Um, something else could always come up where if the dollars made sense and it kind of met what he's making here at Memphis, obviously he would have to look at that. But as of today, I, I don't think that opportunity exists. So, yeah, what I, what I just found out today is that it's, 
he won't, that opportunity may yet arise, but it doesn't exist in the form of Western Kentucky. Since you brought it up in your first point there, we can talk about that real quick before we get back on the other one. How surprised are you since, we, like we mentioned, three transfers in three consecutive days? We probably, everybody knew about Avery Woodson. We all most likely knew about Brody also. And then Dante Scott as a walk-on just decided to, you know, start it for a new fresh start. But how surprised are you? No communication, no talk whatsoever from pastors. Does that surprise you or not surprise you? Well, I mean, you know, Josh is a very <clears throat> open, communicating kind of guy. I mean, he's always, you know, he's everywhere. You know, he's, ne- he's, ne- he's never turned down an interview request, um, in, you know, in the entire time that I've known him. So it's a little uncharacteristic, but that's fine. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a time to go silent, it's probably now. You know, people are very upset about the direction of the program, and there's really nothing he can say. Honestly, when he speaks, it just makes people even angrier. So it probably is best that he um, that he is, you know, not saying much at this time. Just kind of like we said last year, going into the season, you know, let the t- you know let the on court do the talking, and it did the talking, and that talking was crap. Uh, another crap season where you don't make the postseason, even though you've got some legitimate talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a little surprised, but. I don't make a huge issue out of it. I mean, this is a time where, you know, he, number one, he's got a lot to do. You know, he's got to find a replacement for Damon Stoudemire, and that's not easy to do. It's hard to lure a coach here under these circumstances. He's also got five players uh, that he's got to find. You know, he's got to find five. He's got five scholarships he's got to fill. Now, you can maybe give one of those to Jake McDowell. I don't know. I mean, that would sort of just be a reward for his, you know, his, his services the last three years, and he's a Memphis legacy, obviously. Um, but he's got at least four players that he's going to have to go out there and find to field a team, a c- competitive team, next season. And that's assuming Dedrick Lawson um, does come back. If he doesn't come back, then all hell will break loose. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's just busy, you know, and and he's got other things that he needs to focus on right now, other than talking to the media and you know, <laughs> you know, worrying about what he's saying. So, uh, you know, I'm surprised, but I I get it, and I think it's you know it's probably for the best right now. So, last question about the coaching. Um, carousel going on with his assistants before we jump back into the roster itself. Like we mentioned, the last time we've heard from anything about Tom Bowen or Dr. Rudd or, the, or Josh Pastor obviously was when they announced he was coming back as the head coach. And your, the specific quote was right at the end. That was very intriguing where they said, necessary investments and changes in order for our program to compete at the highest level with Josh Pastor. And that obviously meant filling a spot with Damon Sotomayor taking the job at Pacific. And then Jason Smith, the guy who covers the Tigers, obviously for the commercial appeal, said that, the, that he was hearing that the Tigers might look at either as an ex-head coach or somebody with really, really good caliber, you know, assistant level guys. So, does is that where you think Pastor's going to look there? Is that as his assistant coach? And do you really think that Robert Kirby and maybe the other guys on the staff, obviously not Lawson because of his connections with his sons there, but do you think Kirby has any chance of losing his job whatsoever because he's, you know, the the school is demanding a a good assistant coach beside Pastor? I I, I would never really think out, but it seems unlikely at this point. Um, that the University of Memphis at this point would go to him and say, you have to fire Kirby if they haven't already. You know, that was, you know, I guess, you know, three weeks ago when they announced Josh was coming back. So you'd think if they were going to do anything in the way of forcing him to make changes, that would have already been done by now. Um, you know, Kirby's a guy who even if he, even if he was fired, um, he'd land on his feet real quick because he is a successful recruiter and he's been around and, he, you know, he's well-known around the country as a great recruiter. So it's not like he would be out of a job. As far as the the season head coach thing and ex, you know former ex head coach whatever, I, I imagine that is probably the direction they'll go. James Dickey, who was at Houston and who was at Oklahoma State before they they uh, they fired Travis Ford, 
you know, he seems to be one that makes sense because they had they tried to hire James Dickey two years ago before Travis Ford, I think, probably paid him a little bit more at Oklahoma State. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would, honestly, it's a little too it, – it's too little too late for me. I mean, this was something that should have happened two or three years ago. But, you know, I mean, you have to do what you can to placate the administration, to placate the fans as much as you can. I mean – you know, I think we've reached a point now where, you know, there's probably no coming back. I don't think he'll ever recover the fan base, um, you know, in any, you know, any great number. But uh, that, that will probably be something he does just to, you know, say, hey, I did it. You know, we, we, I, uh, I I answered those calls. We have a former head coach on staff. Will you please stop bothering me about it? You know, the whole other question is how much, you know, how much of, of that assistant coach's input would he take in? Would he listen to? That seems to have been something I think in the entire Josh Pastner tenure that um, has been an issue. Just his his general willingness to listen to his his assistant's input and his reaction and response to conflict. Not necessarily, you know, not physical conflict, but when other ideas are presented to him um, and his reaction to those ideas and and um, and and this sort of philosophy. So. You know, I think that's probably the direction they'll go, how much of an impact it'll make. I can't imagine it will make much of one now at this point. But they'll do it, and, and Josh will be able to say, hey, I did it. I placated the, the, the administration. I, I, gave you, I gave the fans what you wanted. Here you go. Uh, and so that'll be that. Yeah, so now more of the team-wise. Obviously, like I mentioned, I've kept saying the three transfers in three consecutive days. Obviously, Avery Woodson was the first one. Jason Smith reported that he's been hearing maybe VCU as a landing spot there for the graduate transfer. And obviously, Randall Brody, most likely that was a pretty guarantee. And then Dante Scott, the walk-on, decided to also get away from the program here. So that's 11th and 12th guys before Jason Smith wrote the story that have transferred since August 2014 out of the program who was on a scholarship. So, John, what's your thoughts about this? How does it look now as a university where, you know, Avery Woodson was going to be a pretty pretty reliable guy this upcoming season, most likely starting at the two or three position alongside Markel Crawford. So what do you think this means for the program? How is it going to be so hard now to get graduate transfers to come back here and play for the University of Memphis? Well, I mean, it is. I mean, it's just, it's tough. The University of Memphis is in a tough spot right now. I mean, it's a, it's a bad predicament because I think it speaks to the, you know, the sort of – the turmoil within the program right now that you have a guy at Avery Woodson who is going to be a prominent member of the team next season, who is going to be the second best guy on the team, you'd think, um, behind Diedrich, assuming Diedrich comes back. Um, and that guy decides he would rather probably come off the bench for somebody else and make the tournament than start here and get however many shots um, he could get. He would rather go somewhere else, have a chance to make the tournament, than be a featured guy at the University of Memphis. And that's probably more of a – that probably also speaks to Avery's personality. You know, Avery Woodson is a guy who just doesn't care about whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, just wants to win. And obviously he saw the writing on the wall here that there's not going to be much winning being done next season. And, and, and I don't blame him at all because, um, you know, the University of Memphis' program is in bad shape. You know, I mean, they're it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You know, I mean, I do think there's a nice nucleus of Jeremiah Martin, K.J. Lawson, Nick Marshall, um, and you know, you hope Charlie Moore comes in and is just awesome. But you know, the odds say, you know, t- five ten point guard ranked outside top fifty. You know, odds are pretty much stacked against him. Uh, just you know, there was a there was a five ten guy here who was in that similar spot. Um, who was supposed he was a great scorer at Pookie Powell. He flamed out, and now he's at LaSalle. So 
I don't really – I wouldn't count so much on Charlie Moore being an instant impact, you know, 15-point night guy as a freshman. But I do think there are some, you know, some nice pieces, you know, in the next three years. But beyond that, you get past the young nucleus and you're talking about nothing. You have absolutely nothing. And so it is a rebuild job, and Avery Woodson obviously saw that. And a lot of that is because of the transfer turnover. A lot of that is because – I mean, the turnover is just staggering, right? I mean, it is. I mean, you're talking about – 16 guys or, or, you know, some ungodly number. I mean, it's in the teens. I have to sit down and look about look at how many exactly. But, I mean, re- regard every single guy on that list, okay, if you go down the list, every name on that list, there's a reason, legitimate, really, a legitimate reason and a legitimate excuse as to why that player left. But when you take it as a whole, a- as a totality, um, you don't see that kind of turnover um, at places. You just don't. You don't see. And these are not guys who, you know, for example, like you see Ohio State. Ohio State has, has three guys transferring. But it's not like that's an every year occurrence. This is every, every, now everybody's like, oh, my God, what's happening at Ohio State? Because it doesn't happen. It happens in Memphis. Like, oh, there's more of the same. There's more of the same stuff. This has happened three years in a row now, um, the turnover. So nobody's really surprised at the University of Memphis. And what I would what I would say is that that's a that's a huge contributing factor as to why this 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 is a rebuild program right now because you've had that sort of sort of turnstile uh, you know turnover with the players and whatever the reason may be you know Nick King he wanted, he couldn't play the four I mean he couldn't play the three he wanted to play the three but he couldn't play the three and so he left and now he's in Alabama Austin Nichols um, you know he felt like he needed to get out of town and. And, and, and start fresh and, and, and grow up somewhere else. Um, you know, Pookie Powell fell out of the rotation and, and, and uh, ended up transferring to a lower level. Dominic McGee was gone in two days, basically. He was on campus for a grand total of two days, and he transferred to Grand Canyon. Every single one of those guys, and obviously there are more, they all have a different reason for leaving, but the, your job as a University of Memphis coach or your, as a head basketball coach anywhere is to reach those guys. And if it's not an issue of reaching them, if it's an issue of they're not good enough, well, then you need to get better at your evaluations because you need to start bringing in players here like, for example, Randall Brody, who never has a shot at playing. Stop wasting your scholarships um, because if he's not good enough to play, then don't bring him in. Bring in somebody that can actually contribute and make an impact. And it's just every single guy has a different reason for why they left or why they didn't work out, and some of them are obviously legitimate. But when it happens at this rate, at this clip, it's only an indictment on the coach. Um, it's just, it's not one, it's not two, it's not three, it's, you know, 15, it's 16. Um, and if you wanted to, and that's in, the, that's in the last two years, if you wanted to take the entire tenure, I mean, at that point, we're in the 20s. And that's just too much turnover. It does happen, but it doesn't happen with guys who are projected to be, you know, like stars, prominent, featured roles in the offense and I mean Nick King gone Austin Nichols gone um, you know uh, uh, you know uh, Jalon Kendrick gone I mean all these guys have different reasons but you just don't see it happen at this rate John Martin that was a perfect preaching session right there I appreciate that and if we're going to be real on this podcast like we always are Dominic McGee was actually in my class for two for two classes and then one Friday afternoon he didn't come up and he didn't show up again on Monday I was like where the heck did he go then I found out he transferred so I thought that was pretty funny yeah he went to Grand Canyon exactly but like you mentioned every guy you mentioned Iverson McGee King Nichols we can like we mentioned we can go on and on and on but it all comes down to Josh Pastor because like you said Austin Nichols 
was going to be a huge part of this program. There was literally every season ticket, right? We could remember last year, every season ticket was face was on it. Every billboard they would try to put on, you know, every promotion would have had his face on it. Then he transfers before the season starts. And then Nick King was going to be trying to be a big player here at the University of Memphis. And obviously, like you said, but it might be the little thing. It might be about position. It might be whatever pastor is trying to tell him to do as a player. But whatever it comes down to, like you mentioned, if he's not clicking with a with a student athlete, because that's what he is. He's a student. He's not a grown man yet. He's a student. But if he's not clicking with him one on one as an individual and then as a team wise, then it's set up for a disaster. Like you, that's how we keep mentioning it. The 11th and 12th since August 2014, not even two years. And you've had over 10, 12 players transfer out of the University of Memphis. It's absolutely mind boggling. No, I mean, it's staggering, and that's, uh, I mean, that's why we're here. You know, that's why we're talking about the Tigers potentially missing the, the, the entire postseason for a third straight year next season. And so, you know, I mean, it, it's just concerning. It's just concerning, and it's, it's, it's sad to see that the University of Memphis, like, guys would literally rather sit out a year, in the case of Austin Nichols, in the case of Nick King, than come back and be, you know, a big, significant um, – you know, have those kind of roles, have significant roles on the team. They'd rather sit out a year than be involved with the University of Memphis basketball program, and that's and that's sad to see. So we'll transition now to about a story that broke, like we mentioned, obviously, with the Memphis investigating pastor in the contract. Obviously, you wrote a good story on that, too, on the 92.9 line, where you, where you sort of got into more detail about what Dr. Rudd is, quote-unquote, trying to investigate with between him, between Pastor and Tom Bowen as the AD there. So like we mentioned, like you keep mentioning in your story here, John, that, you know, it obviously, it doesn't look like it's going to come to anything, but it's just a bad look for everybody involved, obviously, with Pastor now losing these transfers and obviously now just basically how the whole program's turned into what it seems like so what's your initial thought what do you think is going to happen between this do you think anything at all is going to happen nothing i mean yeah. how long ago is that a week yeah we haven't heard anything yeah i mean maybe two weeks i don't, I don't know so days run together but yeah um nothing i mean I don't, there was nothing illicit about it i mean it's just the way it is i mean yeah they have the same agent that happens all the time look at Rutgers. Rutgers has the athletic director i think the basketball coach maybe even the football coach all three of those guys have the same exact agent. It happens. It's not totally. It's not totally. It's not unprecedented. So, it's just to me, it's Rudd doing whatever he can. Rudd doesn't trust Tom Bowen. The president doesn't trust the athletic director um, for 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 all kinds of different reasons. And so I think this is obviously this is probably symptomatic of that. Symptomatic of the fact that he doesn't trust Tom Bowen. And so he's he hears this. But I'm telling you, everybody in the athletic department. I, you wouldn't believe – I had all kinds of people texting me from the athletic department who told me, we knew this. Everybody knew this. This isn't like some revelation to us. Everybody knew in the athletic department that they had the same agent. And I can tell you that there was absolutely no advantage gained by Josh Pastner and Tom Bowen having the same re- representation. If anything, it frustrated Tom Bowen because Tom Bowen felt like he was getting like, – like he was getting – messed over with the deal. He felt like he wasn't getting a fair shake. He wanted he wanted a he wanted a hometown discount, but he didn't get one. And so the idea that that they conspired to give Josh this crazy contract because they had the same representation, I don't even know what the end game would be. Hey Tom, if you give Josh this huge contract and you don't put a buyout in there and you don't put in an offset clause and if you don't put, you know, mitigated damages in there, whatever the liquidated damages uh, in, in this contract, we're, man, we're gonna we're gonna get you. We're gonna we're, we promise you we'll give you. You know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know what the end game would be there. I don't even understand how he would get a leg up uh, by doing that. In essence, so 
No, I don't think anything's going to come of it because I don't think anything is there. It is just a bad contract. It's not illegal. Perhaps it should be. The University of Memphis wishes it was, but it's not illegal. It was just a bad deal that was, I mean, again, at the time, like if you look, for example, Will Wade, for example, at, at VCU, had interest from Vanderbilt. Don't know if, how much Vanderbilt offered. Don't know if they did extend a formal offer. But he just got an eight-year extension. Eight years. That's one year more than Josh got. Um, so this is what happens when you have leverage. Leverage is life. Life is leverage. So when you have a contract offer or you have a hint of a contract offer, you take that back to your current employer and you say, I have this offer. It's exactly what I did when I got my job in 1999. I had an offer from a newspaper in Mississippi. I took it to them. I said, this is what I have. I'm, willing to, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to leave if you don't match. They matched. And they gave me a better deal. So that's the way it goes when, in these, these negotiations. In any job, in any industry, if that, if, that, if that employer values you and believes you're on the up and up and they want to keep you, then they're going to sweeten the deal and they're going to give you a great one to make you stay. It is 100% true that USC offered him. My number, I was told, was $3 million. I know Jeff reported 3.6, and then you know a, an interest-free loan, all that. It wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me because USC at that time, you know, they, they weren't far removed from. They were only five years removed from the Tim Floyd era, um, you know, and the whole OJ Mayo thing. So I think I do think one of Josh's greatest attributes is the fact that he runs a squeaky clean program and that he doesn't have. He doesn't have guys getting arrested. You know, you don't have guys making sex tapes and putting them on Twitter like you see, you know, at Minnesota. He doesn't have guys who are being mysteriously suspended like at Western Kentucky under strange circumstances. You know, guys aren't getting in trouble for domestic assault. I mean, it's very clean here. It's just that's how he runs his program. It's one of the things he takes pride in. And I do think for athletic directors and especially presidents, um, that is a great that is a great attribute. It's a great trait because – Coaches, a lot of coaches are only focused on winning at any cost. It doesn't matter. They will do whatever it takes to win, even if that means, you know, bringing on a guy who's, who's susceptible to being arrested for hitting a woman. You know, I mean, that's just the reality. That's, it's a bottom line business, and some coaches are not above that. Uh, Josh, Josh, Josh will not stoop to that. You know, he's, he's brought guys in who have had checkered pass, but they come here and they stay on the straight and narrow, and that's one of the things that I think presidents appreciate about Josh, and it's one of the reasons why – USC did offer him that kind of money because, and it's the reason why Shirley Raines was so insistent upon Memphis matching. Uh, and they didn't even match, to be honest with you. If USC offered 3.6, Memphis only offered 2.6. So they didn't even match. Now, you, 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 you calculate cost of living. Obviously, it's going to cost you a lot more to live in Los Angeles. But when you're making that kind of money, when you're making, you know, $3 million, it really doesn't matter at that point. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, you know, I do think that um, – I don't even remember how he got off on this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, I, oh, yeah. I think it was a bad deal, yep. but I don't think it was illegal, and I at least understood it at the time. And now, obviously, you look back, and it's a bad deal. And the, and the worst part of it is that there's just no buyout. I mean, if you just you can't, you know, you don't see that a lot of times, especially for a place like Memphis that just doesn't have the financial ammunition to pay that kind of money to a coach to go for a coach to go away. You just don't see it. So to wrap it all back around, it was not an illegal deal it was not unethical it was not illicit is it a fireable offense for tom bowen who who ultimately signed up on the contract that's a different question um that's a totally different question was it illegal 
No, it was not. And so I do not expect anything to come from that investigation. Like you said, the biggest thing Pastor will say anything about a player getting suspended will be it's an internal matter like we heard all of this time with Treshawn Burrell and his tenure here at the University of Memphis. So like you said, Pastor tries to keep it squeaky clean for sure. So last question, John, before I let you go, looking towards the future with the program and obviously Dedrick Lawson as being the big guy that hopefully Memphis Tigers can retain this upcoming season. So if we look now, John, in my opinion with Dedrick Light, great hands around the rim, can finish either with his right hand or his left hand. You saw later in the later on in the season, he was getting more comfortable shooting that outside shot, even stepped back and hit a couple three-pointers too. Obviously, his foot speed's a little concerned. You know, the pick-and-roll defense might be a concern in the NBA on the next level, obviously, since the pick-and-roll now with Stephen Curry and Draymond Green that it turns into now is the most deadly pick-and-roll in NBA history. So with Diedrich at the next level, that is definitely a concern. So your thoughts about Diedrich's chances going in the draft this year, and what's your ultimate feeling? Does he return next season? Well, I've been told that, number one, I, I, am, I am very high on Deidre Lawson as an NBA prospect. You know, I think if he can, he can break some bad habits, which with, with good coaching he'll be able to, um, I think if he breaks some bad habits, like sometimes he'll tend to force the issue and, and, and uh, you know, and try to make something happen that's not there, which will sometimes result in a bad turnover. He had a lot of those kind of sequences last season. But if he can just break out of those bad habits, I mean, it's all there. I mean, he's a great kid. You know he's 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 you know insanely talented at his at his height at his size to be able to consistently knock down a three point shot just walk up hit a three you know you don't see guys do that you know you don't you don't see guys do that quite often um, he's smooth you know I, I do think the one thing you worry about obviously is his athleticism and his relative lack of athleticism uh, he doesn't have that quick twitch muscle you know he's not he's not a great athlete doesn't run like a gazelle by any means but. I think his feel for the game, you know, he it just it looks instinctual to him. Like he just came out of the womb hooping. Like that's how he looks. I mean, that's the kind of game he's got. And um, I think that will translate really well into the NBA. I think the key for him is getting somewhere where they sort of play a team defense. You know, I don't think he'd be a great Minnesota Timberwolf, for example. But I think he'd be a you know a, a, a great warrior, a great spur, so a, a, a team that is sort of picking late in the first round who would have an opportunity and an opening to take a chance on a guy who's only going to be 18 years old at the time of the draft. I mean, he's very, very young, and I think that's another thing that's really working for him in his favor is the fact that he's only going to be 18 years old. You could, in theory, stash him for two to three years, and he still wouldn't even be 24 years old. So I think that's an incredible – I mean, he'd be 22, you know, having, having spent two or three years in the D League. Um, you know, so I, I think that is a, a huge uh, plus in Diedrich Lawson's uh, favor, but I don't know if this is the year. I, you know, that's the question. I mean, he's gonna. You know, the beauty of the new rule is that y- used to you would have to say, "All right, I'm entering the draft. I'm staying." Right? You don't have to do that now. Now you can, as we've seen around the country, you can say, "I'm declaring for the NBA draft, but I'm not hiring an agent." And you, you have the the benefit now. Um, for the student athlete is you can go work out for an NBA team. If you get an invitation, you can go work out in the combine. And if you don't like the feedback that you get from NBA people and executives, you say, okay, I'll come back. What did I lose? I'll come back to school for another year, get better, try again next year. That's the beauty of the new rule. And you don't, you, you don't have to, you know, you won't, your, your eligibility won't be compromised. So ultimately, I, you know, he's, now he's in the process. He's, he's entered his name into the process, and that's really from there it's up to him. Him and how he how he does in the workouts and stuff, and if he does well, I expect he'll he'll go you know he'll he'll go to the NBA. And you know I, I've been told that you know if he I, I talked to an NBA scout a couple weeks ago who believes he will get guaranteed money, and if he gets guaranteed money, whether that's in the first round or the second round, 
it's hard for me to believe he turned that down and come back to a volatile Memphis situation where the team's probably not going to be that good and where his game is going to get picked apart, um, you know, even more because he's on a bad team. And, you know, if you can't if you, if he can't put up 25 and 10 on a bad team, I think it, it might get dicey for him. So I think it might make sense if he gets guaranteed money to go ahead and jump. But uh, ultimately that will all be determined by how he does in the workout. Now be pulling for him because I think he's a great kid. I think he's got a great future in the NBA. And uh, I, I just hope Memphis fans appreciate, even though it was a thoroughly mediocre season, and I understand that's why it can be sort of hard to appreciate it, he just put together one of the best freshman seasons ever at the University of Memphis. And he is a, he's a rare talent, and uh, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I definitely agree. One of the best freshman campaigns ever at the University of Memphis. So, John, thank you so much for taking some time out this afternoon and joining the podcast. I really appreciate your insight and all your great answers as always. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, John. So, Jordan, that was John Martin from 92.9 ESPN. We'll finish off the podcast now, of course, with the final segment of the podcast, Final Thoughts with JT. So, we can start with there, and we'll make our way back with Diedrich Lawson, right? Mm-hmm. He seems like he's very high on him, right? Obviously, great freshman campaign at Memphis. Nobody's questioning that whatsoever, but it is against college players. Mm-hmm. And like we mentioned, only 18 years old, going to be 18 when he finally gets into the NBA draft. But like I said, I'm concerned with his foot speed, and I'm concerned with his pick-and-roll defense. I know he can score around the rim. He's a great finisher. But those pull-up transition threes, you know, in the NBA level is not happening unless you're Stephen Curry, and obviously mm-hmm. he's not Stephen Curry. So your thoughts about Diedrich? What do you think he should do, and what do you think he will do? I think Diedrich is very versatile. I think he has a very large skill set, but the only thing is he just seems like one of those players, his ceiling, he has so much more room to grow. And I feel like he's throwing away that potential now if he leaves early. But like you said, he could also go to the D League and develop that. So either way, I mean, he could still get better, but in the NBA, he could, he could make money off of it. So let me let me jump in then. What's better for him? If you're, if you're Diedrich Lawson right now, what's better for him? Is it better to come back and play against Division One athletes for one more season, then go back in the NBA, or jump to the NBA and play in the D-League for two seasons? What's better for him as a player? I would have to say D-League just because of the situation in Memphis. Okay. He's not coming back to Memphis and going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. He's not coming back competing for a championship he's probably going to come back and not make the postseason again. Yeah. So, like, like you said, just putting up numbers on the bad team. Either way, you're developing your skill, but in the D-League, at least you're getting more recognition for it and you're getting paid for it. So your gut feeling is, regardless if he says he – like John, John Martin made it quite clear, if he gets guaranteed money, it doesn't matter if it's in the first round or the second round, he thinks he's going to leave. And an NBA scout told John he thinks he can get guaranteed money. So is Diedrich Lawson back at the University of Memphis next season? Nah, I think he's going to take it. I think he's going to take it and run. And I, I wouldn't blame him one bit. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree, especially since everything that's happened now. The tr- three consecutive transfers in three different yes. days has n- never happened in my lifetime. I'm pretty sure it's happened before, but it's definitely not happened at any school I've realized. In Memphis, five, seven, eight years ago, was right up there. And it, that's the why highest. it's so sad, it's dude. Because it used to, this used to be such a basketball city. And I guess it still is, but our team just isn't showing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be a – it's the football school now. Yeah, it's, it's a football school. You you turn up next next fall for the first game at Memphis University, University of Memphis Stadium, you know, it's going to be packed. And then when you go to the first game at the FedEx Forum for mm-hmm. basketball, it's not going to be packed It's going to be looking like, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> – So – 
So your thoughts about Pastor, right? Obviously the whole contract situation, like like you said, it's not I don't like John Martin said, I don't think it's a big deal. Obviously Tom Bowen might be in more scrutiny than Josh Pastor could be, but I think Pastor's gonna remain the head coach because like we mentioned, it's ten point six this year. You weren't gonna fire him then. Mm-hmm. Why are you gonna fire him at eight million? It's only yeah. it's only one point four difference there, so it's not that big of a number difference. So I think Pastor remains the head coach and time will tell now what he can do with graduate transfers and Charlie Moore who's supposed to be the next big thing. Yeah, Pastor's got another shot. I mean, it, that's not from uh, – I don't think that's from us wanting him. I think it's just no choice. And I think it's bad when you're trying to bring in guys to fill out the roster or guys to go out there and compete, and then you try to get recruits. But then the recruits can look at this situation as like, the only reason he's the head coach is because you couldn't buy him out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so how, how do they feel about that? It's true. So, I mean, that that, that, make it, that makes it harder right there just to get recruits and guys to come in and play for you. Yeah, I definitely agree. So it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen with this University of Memphis program. Obviously, time will tell what happens down in the offseason. Obviously, he has a head coaching. He has an assistant coaching position to fill that everybody thinks a head, an ex-head coach should be on that staff. Time will tell what happens in there. Obviously, time will tell what happens with Charlie Moore, the next big thing, hopefully at the University of Memphis. Is it going to be a starting point guard freshman and then a bunch of graduates? Or is it going to be a starting freshman point guard in Dedrick Lawson? Because if it's Dedrick Lawson and Charlie Moore, that might be interesting. Because people are really high on this Charlie Moore guy. Yeah. And I obviously haven't seen him much play. But we're basing that off of <coughs> high school talent he's played against. Mm-hmm. You're about to play against Division One athletes, Cincinnati, UConn, two teams, obviously, that compete every year. So time will tell. Thanks again to John Martin. Thanks to the best producer in the Mid-South, Jordan Taylor. We'll be back next week for another edition of the Ryan Glitter Podcast with guests.